Welcome to Dune in 10, our look into the books of Dune in roughly 10 minutes. In this installment, we'll be covering the first of the Heroes of Dune books, titled Paul of Dune by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Paul of Dune contains two stories which readers switch back and forth between. The first of these stories is a flashback to the prelude to Dune era, taking place roughly a decade after Dune, House Harkonnen. We join Leto and the rest of House Atreides as they prepare for a voyage to Ikaz. Whilst there, Leto will begin talks with Ikaz to arrange a marriage between himself and Elisa, the eldest daughter of the Archduke Ikaz. This is not the first time a marriage was attempted between the families, with the last of the daughters betrothed to Leto being killed by the Grumman Viscount Moritani many years ago. Jessica is apprehensive of Leto's plan to marry, knowing that she could not be his wife, but having grown accustomed to being his only woman, and she is hurt by the prospect of having to share her lover. In the same lines, Paul questions where he will stand if his father has a child through marriage. Leto assures Paul that he is his rightful heir and urges Jessica to accept Elisa into their lives. Although reluctant at first, Jessica finds herself becoming friends with Elisa as the wedding fast approaches. On the day of the wedding, many houses have representatives in attendance, and all is going well. That is until the flower pots burst forth with flying razor-sharp discs. The Swordmaster Blood is unable to protect Elisa, and she is killed, and the Archduke of Ikaz loses an arm. Leto, Paul, and the rest of the Atreides survive the attack, but it is obvious Paul was also a target. A hologram of Viscount Moritani appears and states that he is responsible for the attack. He did it not only because of the long-standing feud with Ikaz, but because his son died, and the only cure comes from Ikaz, which they refused to trade with the Grumans. Unbeknownst to any of the parties, Moritani conscripted the Baron Harkonnen to assist him in the plot, which is why Paul is also a target. With the cast on high alert that evening, another attack comes in the form of assassins. Paul and the Archduke are attacked, but both instances are thwarted. After two attacks, Leto vows that House Atreides will help the Viscount in a war of assassins against the Grumman. Paul is sent away from the castle with Duncan to keep him safe, but after several devastating assassin attacks on the run, Paul and Duncan decide to join Leto on the battlefield, coming to the conclusion that they are just as safe with him as on the run. Now on Ikaz, Leto helps the Archduke avert a civil war by eliminating a local authority that had a hand in the wedding attack, and seize control of the planet, assuming the attack was successful. Once Ikaz is unified again, the two houses' armies set off for Grumman. The Viscount has plans within plans, though, and is ready for the attack. His plan is to hold off the attackers with the help of the Baron, long enough that the Emperor gets involved. Having traced his ancestry to House Tantor, that tried to eliminate the Carinos eons ago, failed, and then were presumably wiped out, the Viscount sees this as a way to eliminate his current enemies and his ancestral enemies. He plans to get all of his enemies in one place and then set off enough atomics to decimate the planet. The plan works and the Emperor steps in. Vice Count Moritani feigns cooperation and surrenders agreed peace talks in his castle, the epicenter of the atomic attacks. Once all are assembled, the Vice Count presses the detonator to the explosives, but nothing happens. His swordmaster, not comfortable with the mass genocide, betrayed his master and didn't set up the detonator. The Vice Count is arrested and the Moritani house is renounced. Later returns to Caldan and vows his love to Jessica, saying he will never marry, and she will remain his only lady. The Emperor hopes to torture the Viscount, but Baron Harkonnen plans an accident that kills the Viscount, so he can't reveal the Baron's involvement. And that brings us to the end of the flashback portion of the book. The second story of the book takes place shortly after the events of Dune, where Paul overthrew the Emperor Shaddam. 
Paul's jihad is spreading more and more rapidly, but the brutality of his Fremen warriors prompts some houses to begin a rebellion. Led by Earl Thorinvald, the rebellion proves to be a thorn in the side of progress. Meanwhile, Paul deals with the struggle of retaining who he is while being an emperor and the focal point of a religion. Amongst this, he commands the Swordmaster Blood to construct a palace for him, unlike anything ever seen before. On Seleucus Secundus, the dethroned Shaddam desperately wants to regain his power, but it isn't able to come up with a plan sufficient to do so. He realizes he needs his friend Count Fenring to make a successful plot. But Fenring has had enough with Shaddam and has left his court with his wife to live on Talaxu. Shaddam, to no avail, even goes so far as to marry his daughter Wenceslia to one of the Count's relatives to give him incentive to return. Once Wenceslia produces an heir, though, Shaddam is quick to dispose of the father who proves to be useless. Fenring has his own plans to seize the throne, and those plans are through his daughter Marie, training her in both the Bene Gesserit way from her mother and in the trade of assassins from himself. Fenring also looks to the Talaxu to add additional skills to teach Marie. Whilst in training, it's discovered that the Talaxu are trying to create their own Kwisak Haderach. The program is a failure, however, and the potential Kwisak Haderach tries to destroy a city, but is taken out by Marie. It is at this point that Fenring acknowledges that his daughter is ready to assassinate Paul and sends her to the palace to train with Alia under a flag of friendship. Back on Arrakis, Blood completes the main portion of the palace and Paul hosts a grand spectacle opening of his new court. During the ceremony, a swarm of hunter-seeker droids erupt from the walls and attack those in attendance. Surprisingly, Blood seems prepared for the attack and protects Paul and Irulan from danger. Later, when it is discovered he planned the attack in an effort to die in the act of heroism, Leto sends Blood out to the crowd of Fremen to let them enact their rage on him and kill him. Shortly after the attacks, Fenring and his wife come to the palace to check on their daughter. During a dinner with Paul, they spring their trap and Marie attacks Paul. Alia jumps to action and kills Marie. Fenring, while feigning grieving for his daughter, takes advantage of the chaos and stabs Paul in the chest. The wound looks fatal and Paul is bleeding out, but Cheney uses some quick thinking and gives Paul the water of life, putting him in a near-lifeless trance, slowing his pulse so the bleeding slows to almost a stop, and the doctors can save him. Once recovered, Paul banishes Fenring and his wife to Seleucus to spend the rest of their days with Shaddam, who they hate, leaving them to live with their guilt of sacrificing their daughter. Most of the Atreides' storyline is small interactions to build more character for the following books. However, including all of that would be near impossible for Dune and Ten, so I will summarize it. Both Stilgar and Gurney become tired and disillusioned of To the Jihad. Stilgar returns to the court of Arrakis, and Gurney assists in the ruling of Caladan along with Jessica Atreides. Alia is pushed into a position of power at an extremely young age and fights with being her own child and being a person made up of the memories of her ancestors. Cheney wants another child, but is reluctant to become pregnant, not knowing how that will interfere with Paul's work. And Paul embraces the tyrant that he must become and wipes out Earl Thorinvald and his entire planet to protect Caladan from an impending attack from the rebels. And finally, Irulan embraces the role of historian for Paul, realizing that what she writes becomes fact, even if it is not. She also comes to terms with a love for Paul that will never be returned. And that brings us to the end of Paul of Dune. Make sure to check out our main episode for Paul of Dune, where we discuss our many thoughts on the book, and look out for our listener feedback show of Paul of Dune, where we'll discuss your comments and even more. Remember, you can send your comments to us via email at dunesagapodcast at gmail.com, or through Facebook at facebook.com slash dunesagapodcast, or by calling them into our voicemail number, 1-260-577-2428. 
So once again, for the Dune Saga podcast, I'm David Moulton, and may Shai Halud clear the path before you.